we're not asking to drive any more than 11 hours a day. We're not asking to go any longer than a 14-hour consecutive, you know, 14-hour uh, on duty. What we're asking to do is stop the clock. If you want to stop and take a break and take a rest. This is Overdrive Radio. That was Tom Warner on the West Coast. You heard up top. You'll hear a little more from him later on the subject of uh, what so many callers to Overdrive Radio's podcast message line have been arguing for in recent weeks, a return to more liberal options to split sleep and birth and on-duty periods. We're going to hear from a few more here at the top of the podcast, then revisit the second half of my talk with Michigan-based small fleet owner Leander Richmond about broker expectations, his own thoughts on the hours of service regulations now that ELDs are here, business conditions, and experience with double brokering, and more. So, now here's Canadian hauler Stephen Webster about OIDA's recently asked for a three-hour pause button for the 14-hour clock, as well as overtime pay regs. Hi, Stephen Webster from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, yes, on the uh, issue of the... Um Allowing the uh, three-hour split from the ODIA, I think to follow the Canadian rules would be a very good idea. The three-hour split would work, but I think we should definitely allow a 16-hour day. Maybe only 11 hours driving time would definitely allow a 16-hour day, uh, if not 17. I think anything over 10 hours on duty should be time and a half. And in Canada, to attract drivers, the companies are being told by our federal government they need to be paying the equivalent of 25 to 30, uh, 25 for local and 34 for the road drivers, which is about 21 U.S. for local and about 25 for over the road, plus overtime after 10 hours if they want to attract young people to the industry to compete against other trades, such as construction, firemen, police, whatever, as truck drivers pay in Canada considerably less than the other trades, and I believe the same problem is occurring in the U.S., so unless there's a remarkable increase in the way truckers are paid, and with the e-logs, unless they're paid at least 1.9 times minimum wage on a per-hour basis plus overtime, I think uh, the e-logs are going to create a tremendous shortage of drivers as they've watched their pay drop anywhere between 10 and 30 percent since the uh, first of January. And a number of drivers are telling me that come April they will be gone out of this industry completely. Yeah, my name is Tom Warner. I'm a driver in the state of Oregon. Travel California, Washington, up and down the I-5 corridor. Uh, since this ELD thing, the 14-hour clock, it's caused a lot of problems. I don't think that uh, you know the FMCA, they, they haven't thought it all the way through. I've been stuck and I've run out of hours in icy conditions and high elevations where within an hour I could be down out of that elevation and safe. Uh, I was forced to shut down 10 hours stay up there leave at three o'clock in the morning on a treacherous road putting my life in danger and others other motorists um the parking is horrible there's no all these trucks to park it and they're all shutting down at one time you know but it forces the driver to to not be able to stop and take a break you know when he's tired it's forcing drivers to drive fatigued i hear him talk on the radio all the time uh, it's costing to, to cause them to go faster uh, I've got 15 minutes that I have to get there. What's causing drivers to speed, drive when they're tired? That's absolutely unsafe. And that's the whole, the idea behind it was to make it safer. An hour nap for a truck driver is tremendous. You can get up, feel fresh, and, and go another four or five hours. Uh, when you're fatigued and you're tired and you want to take a nap and you're forced to go, you start making mistakes. You know, I catch myself making mistakes where normally I would stop taking an hour break and just kick back for a minute, set my alarm, and get up and feel refreshed. Uh, 
it, it's it's absolutely going to cause problems, and I don't I don't understand why they can't understand that from us. We're out here every day. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. The 14-hour clock needs to be. You just can't drive any more than 11 hours in a 24-hour period, and you can't go more than 14 on duty, and you have to shut down just on an ELD, so they'll know that we're doing it right. Hello, I'm Richard Shannon, living in Nevada, Missouri. I pull a hopper bottom. We haul feed, grain, fertilizer in the Midwest. And the new electronic logging devices has everything all in the bind. The shippers and receivers can't get on board to schedule shipping and receiving. They don't have the people or the equipment to revamp it to accommodate us. It's putting us more in the rush hour traffic driving situations, which is extremely dangerous. Anybody that's seen any insurance statistics see that's the worst time of day to be on the road. I've been driving trucks going on 40 years. We've always scheduled ourselves around rush hour traffic. It's still to accommodate our hours of unloading and loading. Most places aren't open but 8 to 5. That really makes it hard on us. If you go into a destination early, then you take your 10-hour break, you're sitting on the lot after they open up and then business for a couple hours and eat the product that's on your trailer. The whole thing's just a nightmare, and I could imagine I've hauled produce and and I can imagine the trouble they're having too, trying to pick up the roads and make numerous jobs. And man, as far as I can see, going back to the five on and five off makes the most sense of anything. I'm not sure if this three-hour consecutive break would help, but then 10 hours off. Now, we need to be able to take that three hours in the sleeper boat, take us a nap in the, in the middle of our time when we need to be able to have a little more flexibility in dodging the traffic. And here again, speaking of traffic, look at all those wrecks and that bad weather. Them drivers and them slow trucks all going the same speed, bored out of their mind, hypnotized from the road, ain't looking no farther than a truck length ahead of them, and you see what happens. This needs serious attention fast. We just didn't get it publicized soon enough. It should have been on the public every day for a year ago to make everybody aware of what was going on. This isn't a one-size-fits-all industry. It's the largest industry in the country and the most regulated. I know more and more drivers every day that's just quick. I know we're all getting up there. I've got five more years before I can retire. Pay me my retirement now and you guys can have it. Thank you. For the rest of the podcast, we'll pick back up with small fleet owner Leander Richmond, whose thoughts on managing the increasingly difficult-to-meet proof-of-delivery expectations of many brokers aired last week. As it turns out, Richmond has a direct customer whose POD expectation is also quite demanding. You know, I, I do complain about the things that agitate me, but I always also sure. try to understand what I'm complaining about, and I try to understand the position of the other side, because there are two sides to every story. Um, and again, uh, we do have a regular customer that, I won't mention them, 
they require the POD within 24 hours. And I did call her up one day and said, are you serious? And she explained why. It's their billing. Their busiest time for our equipment is the last 10 days of the month. They're closing everything up for the month. They need that paperwork back in to finish what they're doing. They are the actual customer. There's no broker in the middle. It's them. So we do that. My drivers know when they're on those loads, get, get them in. But again, we do quite a few loads for them. Richmond, as I noted in last week's podcast, was like many among overdrive readers, a long holdout on getting ELDs up and running. But since he did, right around the December 18 enforcement date, he's been happy to at least see rate improvement and is in the process of investing in new equipment to grow. And he doesn't think rates will go the wrong way for truckers anytime soon, unless... Not unless the government throws some additional drive time out there. Because that's, that's all it did was eliminate some of the available drive time. You know, what people were complaining about, um, or I don't know, I'm assuming what the government was trying to accomplish in eliminating guys driving when they shouldn't be driving, well... I'm sorry, that was actual drive time that the customers were experiencing. Yes, and now that you've taken some of that drive time away, you've increased, well, you know what happens. I'm sure if you've done a story on it, you understand. The demand is is sky high right now. I don't think it's going to change for a while. I don't think it's going to change unless you do one of two things. You either add a poop load of drivers really quickly, because the trucks are there. Everyone's got empty trucks. You add a poop load of drivers or you give the drivers that are there that drive time back. I can I can tell you that it's a little bit off the subject of our call today, but I can tell you that um, my drivers, the aggravation they have is what everyone has been complaining about the ELDs for the last 15 years. Driving, being forced or feeling like they have to drive when they may not feel like it, and right. not being able to drive when they do feel like it. No, I don't know why it has to be so complex. I think a better way of going about it would be to say, hey, from midnight to midnight, you can do whatever you want for 14 hours. You can drive 14. I don't care. But you get 14 hours to do whatever you want. You don't have to play stupid games with it. And then you have to be down for 10 hours. It can be from midnight to 10 o'clock in the morning, or it can be from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until midnight. But you get 14 hours of free time to drive, work, dock, load, whatever. That would simplify the world. It would add quite a bit of drive time to quite a few loads, unless the guys spend a lot of time sitting. And it would mm-hmm. simplify the reading of the logs, the understandings of the logs. You know how many of these guys still don't even understand the split? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about just my drivers. Let, let's look at truck drivers and trucks is the physical aspect of driving a truck you're sitting upright you're in an extremely plush seat steering wheel is out in front of you Um, you've got a lot of room to move I mean you're on an air seat on an air cab on air shock or um, air suspension most of the time at least other than the steer axle these things are extremely comfortable you can drive them for 10 to 12 to 14 hours if you can relax your body while you're driving without killing yourself, without getting fatigued and tired. And I understand that unfortunately most people, or I shouldn't say most, some drivers 
with medical issues and so forth, and the government has to find a standard that works for everyone. But I just, you know, the effect of what has happened is one that is trickling down to the customers in higher rates. I don't know what the fix is, man. I'm sorry. But I sure would like to see a 14-hour workday just be a 14-hour workday without the, or better yet, why don't they do this? Instead of making these rules, hoping for one effect, why not throw the throw a 14-hour rule out there like I just said? Or maybe not mine. Take someone else's suggestion. Do a blast of change. Get some good data and see what the effect is. I've seen a lot of people talking, I've read a lot of articles about the data being turned inward into our companies to run efficiently and see what our trucks are doing. Well, I already knew what my trucks were doing. I already know what my drivers were doing. I know what my fuel mileage is. I know what my downtime is. I know what my deadhead miles are. I know everything about my trucks that I need to know. The ELDs really aren't showing me anything. But the government could use that information to see if there's any effect to whatever it is they're trying to accomplish with these things. I'm a conspiracy theorist, so I'm not sure it's all about safety. Whatever their goal is, you know, you can you can see that most or at least quite a few people are unhappy. Yep. They should be able to see what it's doing to um, the transportation economy. I would hope that they would think that that's not good. I mean, sure, we the carriers do. But make a change, look at the data, see what happens, see if it, if it has any effect on safety, see if you can live with it, and if you can, let's leave it at that. Drivers like, would make uh, more money, like, trucks would make more money. Make the move, do what everybody's asking for, and and see yes. if it works. Or do it, you know, do do something that that would seem to make uh, plausible sense. Of course, they get sued anytime they make a change by somebody, but. That's a whole other conspiracy theorist of mine we need to change. But, you know, let's face it, our politicians are not the brightest people in this country. <laughs> no. by, that, by that, I mean, I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm just saying right, right, yeah, they, yeah. they don't have you. You can't expect one person. I've said this even about the president. They can't be experts on everything. They right. just can't. No one is. Well, yeah. maybe my mother. I would like to see if they're going to make a change. If you're going to invest 20 million, and this is not a number that I've seen, I'm just guessing. If you're going to invest millions of taxpayer dollars to investigate something that you think needs to be changed, and back in 96 or whatever it was, they made a change that was so minimal, you just laugh and go, that's what we got for the money, you know? Really? I, I can't remember what it was. It was something small. It was an, an additional hour of driving and something else. And I went, wow, guys, come on. You might as well just leave it what it was. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, like the, uh, when they changed the restart several years ago, and uh, it was all kinds of, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. kinds of research that went into that and, and rigmarole and everything else. And then they changed right back. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> Yeah, and a lot, and the whole time, all they're doing, and this is what I think about, the whole time, all they're doing is spending money, spending money, spending money, spending money. It's it's this is trucking. It's not rocket science, and I don't think the regulations need to be rocket science either. I'm I'm all for the safety aspect of it. Trust me. I watch a lot of YouTube videos on things that happen in other countries with trucks, and most of the time, we're laughing at them. 
and my family's laughing and I'm sitting there looking at this going, now I understand why we have safety standards in this country. There, there seems to be thousands of videos of trucks going downhill, no brakes, just plowing through cars. Oh, and then you look at what we have here and now on one side where I'm complaining about certain aspects of this industry and the regulation. On the other hand, I think, yeah, that's a good thing. Yep, we need good tires. Yes, we need good brakes. Yes, they need to be checked. If the driver isn't checking them, they should certainly, uh, there should be some repercussions. I don't like that we can give a truck to a driver. As a company owner, I can give a truck to a driver. Trust him. When he doesn't do the right thing, the company takes the beating. I think that if a driver does not do his daily pre-trip and he misses a few major items on the truck, well, yes, there's, do what you need to do, but man, don't penalize the company unless he's reported it to the company and you can prove the company was negligent, yeah. which we aren't. So, Richmond is also among truckers who've had experience with a double brokering sort of situation where he realized too late in this case that he'd moved a load through a broker who misrepresented himself as a trucker to another broker to get the load in the first place. The authority the broker was using has since gone inactive in the federal system, so perhaps there's been a good outcome to Richmond's actions in the wake of the deal, which he details here. You can find information he posted at a website, wrlogistics with an X dot info. That's logistics with an X on the end rather than the standard spelling. He starts here talking about the backstop he's got in place in the office to avoid such deals from happening in the future, if at all possible. I've got a guy here that does a pretty good background check in a matter of minutes, and at first I had an issue trusting him because I'd go, man, I really want this load. Well, after dealing with a few of my uh, bad decisions and rejecting his good <laughs> experience, now when he says no, I don't even look back. Um, <laughs> but yes, that particular situation, that guy had... a. a a documented history of opening a company, running up a lot of loads, not paying anyone, shutting the company down, doing it again over and over and over. And I sent that information to the FBI, the US DOT, and the state of California. I don't have a whole lot of the time to pursue it to see if they did anything with it, but I'd like to know that they at least care enough about the industry that somebody said, okay, we need to put a, a lock on this. And if this name ever comes through here again, just tell them no. You know, and I've I've heard you know, every time it happened, I've talked to a couple of different guys where where that have come to realize this about a particular company. You want to talk about a good broker in that particular case where that broker failed, the guy that he double double brokered the load from actually uh, covered it. So we well, got paid one hundred percent. Even though he paid us $400 more than he brokered it to that guy for. That's so good. That's a good, uh, good outcome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I and I hope, I bet, I bet he, felt, uh, he felt bad that he, was, uh, that he had been taken. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did what I could to help him as well. Um, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't like crooks, man. I I just don't yeah. like. I take it personally. I get vindictive. I start reading. I start seeing who they answer to, and you know, I 
I try to do my part. That's a wrap for now. As always, you can weigh in on the issues discussed here, share trucking business tips, tricks, and, dare I say it, heartache and hearsay and the like via our podcast message line at 530-408-6423. We'll do our best to run it all down. Stay safe out there and hope to see some of you at Matt's next week.